You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's a new way to lead off your Sunday with conversation, unique perspectives, and your thoughts and questions on the Hometown Nine. It's Twins Today. Swing and a miss on a changeup. That was masterful pitching from Jose Barrios. I know they know I got a great curveball, so they're looking for. That's when I was the unbreakable. Twins today is driven by the Mauer Auto Group. More than cars. It's hard to believe that was 15 years ago. Right? Time flies, but uh, you know what? I'm in a new role and I'm enjoying it. Thanks, Derek. Which thought am I? Did I make the top five? Now, live from Target Field, here is Derek Wetmore. Good morning. Welcome. It's good to be with you. Uh, I'm Derek Wetmore, and this is uh, Twins Today. It's a show about the Minnesota Twins uh, baseball club on and off the field. And uh, the general tenor of the show, the general aim of the show, is to try to have some fun talking about Twins baseball. And uh, that's just going to be a little different today. There's no two ways around it with everything going on uh, around the the club and the community. This is just going to be a different kind of show. Uh, programming note, we will be on the air here till noon talking Twins baseball. We've got some fun guests coming up. LaTroy Hawkins joins me later this hour. Also, uh, former Twins beat writer, Rhett Bollinger, who now covers the Angels for MLB.com. He'll join me coming up. And uh, Star Tribune's Mike Rand. He's also scheduled to join the program. Those will all come up in the next two hours, and then we also, in the 2 o'clock hour, have Twins programming, or Chris Atterbury sits down with Twins President of Baseball Ops, Derek Falvey. They're going to discuss the latest news on the Twins, but let's not bury the lead here. Last night's game canceled. Uh, I should say postponed, rather. Uh, I don't know that te- canceled is technically correct. The The COVID protocols are going to force the Twins out of not only last night's game, but also tonight's game with the Angels. Um, no baseball Saturday, no baseball Sunday as the Twins uh, sort of give themselves space and time to go through the COVID protocols after it was revealed that a second and third player, as well as uh, staffers with the Twins, have had positive tests in recent days. So that's where we're going to start. The beginning of this program is always five thoughts, and I thought, what better start at number one than the latest on the situation. Number one. There's not one person in our group who's not frustrated. Is everyone, you know, does everyone have that general um, frustration with, with just having to, to be dealing with all of this in a, in a kind of a grander sense? Absolutely. And, and now we're, we're going to have to deal with whatever comes our way. And things are not going to be easy because of it. We're going to have a great deal of, of challenges in addition to everything that we've already gone through. And I'll be honest, we're going to deal with them and we're going to be up for it and we're going to give it our best effort regardless of what's going on. And None of this has gone to plan. It can happen. This is the reality that we live in, the unfortunate reality that we live in. Uh, but we're going to go forward. We're, going to, we're not going to go backwards. We're not going to, uh, to dwell. We, we need to know what the next step is and that way we can go attack it and do the best we can. That, of course, the voice of Rocco Baldelli. He was speaking with the media after it was announced that last night's game would be postponed and that uh, two more players have tested positive for 
COVID-19. One of those players, the name was revealed, reported um, Kyle Garlick. Um, this, of course, in addition to Andrelton Simmons' previous po- positive test that landed him on the sort of COVID IL list. Um, so the Twins are, you know, for not the reasons they'd want to be, one of the centers, center focuses of Major League Baseball right now. We, we've seen this happen to a few teams, unfortunately, over the past 12 months in Last year, it was the Cardinals and the Miami Marlins who were drawing headlines and missing games and having their schedule sort of flipped upside down based on, uh, you know, some positive tests within their clubhouse. Um, even just this year, we had the, the Nationals series postponed to begin the season uh, for a similar reason. So, uh, of course, not the not the reason uh, that you would want to be the focus of Major League Baseball. The Twins are excited about their team that they have here this year, and rightfully so, and you'd like to be making headlines for those reasons. Um, unfortunately, that's where they sit right now. What I do know, and I'll continue to update if I learn more throughout the program, keep you Twins fans all uh, informed with the latest that we know. Um, I know... As we mentioned, last night's game and today's game impacted by this. The Twins were scheduled to go to Oakland after this, and as I sit here speaking with you, I do not know what happens there in that situation. Um, that's going to be something we'll monitor, obviously. Uh, the the road trip was set to continue out there on the West Coast, um, and I, this is not, uh, this is not uh, reporting or anything like that, but some informed speculation. All I'm doing is looking at other situations where this has happened to Major League Baseball teams and it has impacted more than two games. That's not to say that's going to happen with the Minnesota Twins here in this latest case. So far what we know is three players impacted and two games impacted. Uh, The scheduling juggle is already going to be on because it's uh, out in Anaheim that those games were, were, were lost or postponed. So anyway, that is everything that I know on the situation, and I would love to continue to keep you informed throughout the show if we know more. And as I mentioned, tune in to Inside Twins later this afternoon right here uh, and hear Chris Atterbury discussing it all with Twins president of Baseball Ops, Derek Falvey. I did want to talk a little bit of baseball, though, because we don't want it doesn't have to all just be the latest news. So let's rattle through thoughts two through five. Number two. See if Donaldson give the Twins a lead. Ground ball hit up the middle. That's a base hit. Garber's going to be waved around. Trout's throwing to second base. And the Twins here in the top of the sixth have taken the lead. There's a Josh Donaldson base hit up the middle. Two-hit night for Josh. I'm just trying to, you know, play the game. If something happens that's going to happen, I can't can't worry about that. I'm trying to prepare myself and put myself in the best position possible to go out there and and help our team win. I, I can't. I can't go up there and worry about if I'm going to get injured or not. If it happens, so be it. That the voice of Josh Donaldson, the Twins' third baseman, who is a superstar and also has had injury concerns the past few years. Um, I don't want to say more of the same this year because it's a different injury. He's struggled with calf issues in the past, and this year is coming back from a, a hamstring, a minor, mild uh, hamstring strain. And look, it's it's the ongoing question with Donaldson the good and the bad of it. One, we're we're wondering how many games he'll have a chance to play with the Twins this year, and the Twins are wondering the same thing. And as you heard in that clip, Donaldson is too. He's not going out there worried about, am I going to hurt something here today? He's going to play all out the way that you've seen him play baseball for his whole career. The thing I wanted to point out here is that 
is an unfun dance, I think, for Twins fans to, to maybe be wondering. However, it is worth it when you have a star-caliber player like Donaldson has been, his return to the lineup, no surprise. Uh, he, you remember in the opening game of the season, he hits a double, and as he's rounding first base is when you saw, oh, there was a little uh, something caught in his hamstring or something like that, um, you know comes back and he's stinging the ball again this is a very small sample he's only got eight plate appearances but he's hitting 571 with a 625 on base percentage and slugging the way he does slugging 714 on the year I I mean that to go with elite defense at third base Josh Donaldson simply put when healthy is a superstar so they'll continue to do that dance and speaking of which thought number three number three is fun because like I said a while ago, baseball is – this is baseball. You come out here, this is sport. I got a family to take care of. That's that's my goal. I'm a dad, bro. Like, I want to take care of my kids, do what I got to do for them. So, at the end of the day, this is a game. I love to play a game. So, the more you love it, the more fun you have, you come out here and you be yourself. So, just a game. Like, it's that simple to me right now. That's Byron Buxton, and uh, of course the game is simple to him. <laughs> he's uh, he's another superstar player, uh, and dealing with a minor hamstring himself, uh, missed a few games. Was scheduled to be in the lineup yesterday, but of course, uh, unfortunately, the Twins weren't able to play that game as regularly scheduled. Uh, so this is another one. I'm monitoring it obviously very closely. He's a huge deal for the Twins. Uh, as Byron Buxton goes, so goes the lineup. It seems. Um, he's been clearly their best player when he's on the field because of the combination of skills that he brings. And similar to Donaldson, we're going to watch and see if uh, if he's able to really put a full you know six month stretch together, five and a half to go. I I have no idea how these two games that the Twins have lost, possibly more if anything has to be pushed back with the Oakland series. Um, I have no idea how that's going to impact some of those guys, but, you know, take it as a positive, get a few days off of your feet, and hopefully the majority of that group is able to remain healthy um, from an illness perspective, but then also, you know, allow their star player to play, star power, excuse me, uh, to play up on the field. And that, to me, Byron Buxton and Josh Donaldson are the the real focus there because of what they do bring when healthy. Uh, let's rattle through the last couple because, uh, the as I mentioned, the baseball sort of on pause right now here for the Minnesota Twins, but a couple things I had noticed this week that I'm going to be paying attention to, of course, the rest of the season as well. Number four. Two on, nobody out. Colomay to Seeger, and again, the 2-2 pitch, a swing and a fly ball into right field trouble. Kepler going back. Kepler turns at the wall. That ball is gone a home run. The Mariners have stormed back and now have taken the lead here in the ninth inning. And here comes Rocco Baldelli. So they try to get another day out of Colomay after a 24-pitch outing yesterday. And he threw 17 pitches today. And the Mariners rally against Colomay, and that'll do it for him. It'll be Alcala coming in. What was a one-run lead is now a two-run deficit. Yeah, it hasn't been a great start to the season for the Twins. Uh, Late-inning reliever, I almost called him closer, but I suppose the Twins aren't really going to name a closer, or so it seems. Um, it, you know, He's come in with some leads and left games without the Twins leading. That's that's not what you want. That's certainly not what he expects. 
I know Rocco Baldelli doesn't expect to have to go get the ball from a guy like that. Um, so noted, the Twins bullpen in some instances has uh, has been leaky early on this season, and that's something I think fans are, are frustrated by, no doubt, understandably so. Um, there are some positives in that you go into late innings with a lead and good relievers. I, honestly, over six months, more often than not, you're going to finish the game with a lead in Ws. Uh, sometimes it happens that that doesn't go to plan, and that the Twins have seen a lot of that in the early going this season. And look no further than their, their extra inning record, uh, something that's a bit of a sore spot for fans as well. Um, if I'm spinning this forward, I don't view this as oh my gosh, sky is falling, Twins need a bullpen. I view this as, that's surprising. The Twins have good relievers, and so far, and Alex Colomay is the one that kind of stands out just because of the the high leverage swings that he's been on the mound for. You know, I wouldn't expect that to continue over a full six month. If, if it was they were piecemealing it together and they had a bunch of arms that you thought, no, these guys just can't do it, that's a different story. And I'll just tell you honestly, that's not what I perceive to be the Twins' bullpen right now. Rough patch in the early going. We'll see what a few days off does for that group. And then you've got some just aces out there, Taylor Rogers, Tyler Duffy, Alex Colomay among them. So I'm, I'm really interested to see how this plays forward. Uh, and uh, speaking of interested to play forward, how can you not include this guy in a five thoughts column from this week? Number five. There's a liner to third. Fletcher lines out to Donaldson and Ostadio. Three up, three down here in the eighth inning. He's uh, he's amazing. I uh, wrote the other day that uh, the Twins Angels game featured this electric, you know, can't take your eyes off him, two way star who, whether he's on the mound or in the batter's box, you just want to watch. You tune into these games. And those games also featured Shohei Otani. So Williams Astadio really rises to this level of stardom uh, for Twins fans and in the national uh, scope of of baseball. Um, he made a great play running down the line as the first baseman where he took his hat off and was uh, chasing the ball like he was a catcher. And then, of course, he, he mopped up an inning in uh, – and a big loss for the Twins in their first game in Anaheim. So just a fun guy, a little bit of levity to a difficult week for the Twins. Um, That's five thoughts. So we're going to keep you updated, as I mentioned, throughout the program today. This is Twins Today. I'm Derek Wetmore. Coming up on the show, we are going to hear Radio Revisit, where we get thoughts from an electric reliever on the Minnesota Twins. I'm really looking forward to uh, unpacking that. And as I mentioned later on the show, LaTroy Hawkins joins us. Rhett Bollinger, former co- formerly covered the Twins for MLB.com. And the Star Tribune's Michael Rand. If you'd like to call us in the second half of the show, 651-989-9226. We'd like to hear from you as the Twins sort of hit the pause button here in the middle of April on their season. More baseball talk coming up after this on Twins Today. You're listening to News Talk 830. WCCO. Welcome back to Twins Today. I'm Derek Wetmore. A little bit of a different show format today. Uh, If you're just joining us, the news out of Anaheim is that the Twins and Angels were postponed yesterday. They're postponed again today, and the remainder of their road trip, I don't know what's going to happen. Twins were scheduled to go to Oakland after uh, this afternoon's ball game, this th- today's ball game, which uh, will not happen now. So 
We'll wait to hear. We'll keep you posted, certainly, if we can. Uh, the news, of course, that uh, there are now three Twins players who have tested positive for COVID, one of them being Andrelton Simmons, which we knew from earlier in the week, another one being Kyle Garlick and the third unnamed at this point. As we sort of sort through the details and stuff, you'll know you'll hear uh, the updates throughout the show today and later. Chris Atterbury is joined by Twins President of Baseball Ops, Derek Falvey. That's this afternoon in the 2 o'clock hour. So um, this segment, we are still going to talk some baseball with the show today, but it just admittedly has a little bit of a different tone, a little bit of a different feel. This one, we're playing back one of our favorite interviews from the week, this with Twins lefty, uh, I was going to call him a closer, but again, not a closer, uh, bullpen star, Taylor Rogers. Taylor, first of all, great to have you. Uh, let's start with your plate appearance against Alex Verdugo, your batter, uh, in your bat matchup with Alex Verdugo in the Red Sox game yesterday. Didn't turn out the way you wanted, but boy, that matchup, what, nine pitches had literally everything. It really did. It really did. I, I think it, uh, when you're looking at it, the result wasn't what we wanted. But as a baseball fan and, and as a competitor, you know, that's what you want. That was a lot of fun. All the little intricacies that went through that at bat, you know, were so much fun. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, his scouting report and what I want to throw, you know, is uh, it's a little chilly. You don't really have the best grip on the ball right now. Can I throw what I want to throw? Bases are loaded. Um, you know, the, the games, this is the, the point, turning point in the game. Uh, threw some good pitches that he spit on. The umpire could have called something. He could have not. And it's just really, really fun. Um, obviously, hopefully, you know, next week we're talking about the same thing with the, the result that we want. But, you know, that that's baseball and, and baseball at its highest level. And you got to tip your cap to him. He had a great at bat. And uh, the best part about it is, is that the team uh, came back and won the game. So, yeah, uh, just really good all around. Yeah, it was. It was. It had a little bit uh, of absolutely everything. Speaking of having everything, uh, Shohei Otani. So he's a guy who throws even harder than you do. He runs as fast nearly as Byron, and he hits the ball consistently as hard as Nelson Cruz. That doesn't seem like it should be fair. And on top of that, he's the maybe second best player on his team. Right. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. The things that he can do on a baseball field—it's not even fair. If, if you know one guy has one of those attributes, you know he's considered a stud. Uh, it's very, very impressive, and to think that he's doing all that alongside Mike Trout. You know, this will be a really fun series to be a part of. And, you know, the grass at this stadium could probably rival the fairway at Augusta. Uh, it's mm-hmm. just a beautiful ballpark. And, yeah, man, this is going to be a really fun series. I, I kind of foresee myself coming in to face uh, Otani and, and Trout, uh, maybe with some runners on. So, again, it'll have that feel of uh, a really fun late inning, uh, you know, I guess uh, pressure loaded and uh, – We'll do our part to get prepared beforehand and, and hopefully execute when we're out there. Yeah, and that's what you want. Coming out of the bullpen, you want to face guys like that in, in situations that matter. You guys going to rock the uh, the Powder Blues tonight? Is that what I'm hearing? We are. We are. So the Angels had an off day yesterday and didn't get a chance to wear their 42. So we're going to do it again today. And You know, what a great thing. We get to do it twice. You know, how cool is that? Wear the Powder Blues on the road. Um, so it should be pretty fun. Uh, I'm sure uh, – We'll get some some good pictures of it for the uh, the Twins history collage. Yeah, and I love it. Like you said, to be able to wear the forty twos twice that's uh, that's even more special uh, because you can't honor Jackie Robinson nearly enough. 
One of our weekly features, or we'll do it every other week, is something we call This Week in Williams Ostadio. So from Taylor Rogers' pr- uh, point of view, uh, what stands out about This Week in Williams Ostadio? Yeah, I think I think he, uh, you know, he whipped out the uh, the grabbing his hat and his throwing arm uh, for pop flies, like his, like he's a catcher again. Um, <laughs> you know, he finally figured out a way to hold on to his hat instead of having to pick it up after every fly ball. Uh, the guy, the guy is absolute entertainment, twenty four seven. And I, I bet you uh, every week we're going to have something to talk about with him. Um, so it's pretty fun, baseball rat. That's that's one of my terms for him. He loves baseball. We have uh, our clubhouse opens at nine o'clock for for a one o'clock game most of the time, and uh, you know everybody kind of leaves the house at nine. You stroll in about nine ten, nine fifteen. Well, if you get there right at nine o one, Williams Ostadio is fully dressed, ready to go. <laughs> I'm just waiting for the time when he catches it and then turns to throw, and he still has his hat in his hand. And he throws his hat all the way to home plate to try to double up a guy. So that that's about, definitely coming. Uh, how about when he ducked under the the first baseman on the wide throw? <laughs> I mean, you just you just can't teach that. The, the guy is the guy's amazing. Uh, we're also going to try to mix in some power rankings. I noticed during the lineup for opening day uh, lineups here at home, uh, everybody's sporting a lot of lot of neckwear, a lot of glistening uh, threads around the around the neck, yourself included. Can we get a a gold chain power rating from Taylor Rogers on this club? Absolutely. Absolutely. Guys, it starts, starts with Nelson Cruz. He's very fashionable as it is. Um, but he, he's got some sweet chains. Um, and he rotates them, you know, pretty frequently. So uh, I don't know how he hits with all that weight around his neck, but, uh, he's got the most impressive change. Josh Donaldson sneaky has some good ones. I think he's got one with his daughter's name on it. And then he's got a number 20. So he, he's repping himself out there. And then uh, I just found out um, bullpen mate Alex Colome has a really nice collection of, of uh, neckwear as well. So I, I'm going to go with, uh, with with Nelson Cruz's number one, Donaldson's two, Colome's number three, and then uh, I'm, I'm on the caboose right now on uh, number four. <laughs> All right, you're number four. You're, you're threatening for a podium. And uh, you only hear information like that, the Taylor Rogers Power Rankings, on our weekly mound visit. When you tune in to Twins Today and or Inside Twins, uh, which, by the way, Inside Twins you can catch later this afternoon, 2 o'clock with Chris Atterbury chatting with Twins President of Baseball Ops, Derek Falvey, with the latest on the uh, COVID situation inside the Twins Clubhouse right now. Unfortunately, pushing a little bit of a pause button on the Twins season. I'm Derek Wetmore, and this is Twins Today. When we come back, we're going to talk with longtime MLB reliever, current Bally Sports North analyst, and Twins front office member Latroy Hawkins. That's coming up on the other side of this here on Twins Today, driven by the Maurer Auto Group more than cars. You're listening to News Talk 830 WCCO. Welcome back, Twins Today, driven by the Maurer Auto Group more than cars. I'm Derek Wetmore, and we are talking Twins baseball today, but of course it takes a little bit of a different track when uh, the Twins hit the pause button on their season with uh, few COVID positive tests while out in Anaheim. Uh, I won't waste any time bringing my next guest, a man who should need no introduction around here, more than two decades in the big leagues, current Bally Sports North analyst, LaTroy Hawkins joins us right now. LaTroy, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with us. Oh, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Yeah, well, we're excited to talk to you. We were excited to get you on the broadcast. So you have one, and uh, then there's a pause button hit on the season. Uh, 
What's that sort of readjustment, quick turn like for you? Uh, it's, it's a little, you know, not the norm because, you know, I don't live in Minneapolis. I live in Texas and you know, I came here for the, you know, I came here, you know, to do the broadcast while the team was on the road and I get two days in my room to do nothing. So it's, it's a little different, but, um, you know, hopefully they can get past this and, and get back to playing baseball. Yeah, that's well said. I mean, I, I'm looking at this as a sort of an outsider saying, well, of course, you hope everybody's healthy and you hope that everybody in the, in the traveling party and everyone impacted uh, gets through everything okay. But after you get through that, it's kind of a, a weird logistical uh, sort of uh, hurry up and wait situation. It's same for you as a broadcaster, I'd have to imagine. Yes, yeah, same for us. But you know what? They're going through uh, something you know, a lot more serious uh, because, you know, with the scheduling and, you know, those games being uh, postponed on the road, on the West Coast at that, you know, they have a lot to deal with. Been there, um, done that, and hopefully is it doesn't disrupt the season too much where the scheduling has to be some wacky, you know, wacky uh, issues down the road. Yeah, because we've seen some teams where that it really hurts the competitive balance. I mean, you're playing all these. If you're the Cardinals last year, the the Miami Marlins come to mind. Uh, you know, playing a bunch of double headers is not fun, and it's not what uh, big league rosters are designed to do. I don't care if you do have 26 guys. So hopefully it doesn't uh, impact it in that way. But I want to ask you. You mentioned it. You've sort of uh, been there, done that. I imagine in 21 years. 21 years in the big leagues. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. In 21 years in the big leagues, I imagine you've seen a lot of things. Now, maybe you haven't seen a uh, a global pandemic in the way that we're living through no. right now. But what is uh, what is something from your career? Maybe you draw on and could relate to to our listeners how players and uh, staffers must be feeling and dealing with this right now. Um, you know, I I think it was 2013 when I was with the Mets. We got snowed out in uh, Minnesota and Colorado and we had to go back and make those games up and it was pretty it was a pretty tight schedule where we had to fly from San Diego something crazy and fly to Minnesota play the game and then go back to the west coast and you know when people look at that they don't think that's it's that big of a deal but it was tough it was tough coming going from New York to the west coast and then in the middle of our west coast trip get on a plane and fly back to the midwest to play a game and then go back to the West coast. It was, it was pretty challenging. I know people kind of hear that and think, Oh yeah, but world-class travel, but think of how tired you are when you get back from a vacation and these guys are playing baseball every single night. Uh, it's really pretty amazing. Some of the stuff that has to go on. And we, and we wait now Latroy to hear maybe what's going to happen of the upcoming scheduled Oakland series. Cause they were supposed to complete a West coast leg in, you know, now I, I don't know as we sit here talking, you and I, I, I don't know where that stands either. Well, I, you know, Rocco always says, let's not speculate. Let's let uh, everything play out. And, you know, that's all we can do at this point. We could just, you know, just let everything play out. We got to let the, you know, the testing, science and everything um, do what it does. And when, um, when they're, when they feel that the Minnesota Twins is ready you know, they're ready to resume play, and that's when it would happen. But, you know, the most important thing is to keep everybody safe and get everybody healthy, first and foremost. Yeah, that's exactly right. I'm looking to, 
I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about some of these things. Now, Latroy, Latroy Hawkins is our guest. He joins us, of course, longtime MLB reliever, formerly with the Twins, um, two decades in the big leagues, current Valley Sports North analyst, and member of the Twins front office. Man, I would love to dive into uh, your front office role with you someday, but it feels right now, Latroy, like this this is maybe not the perfect time for that with the pause button. So I actually want to wind back the clock a little bit. I heard a story about you in your playing days where you would pick a, a catch partner with, you know, a bunch of different teams, a lot of teammates throughout your career. You would always pick a, a catch partner and try to learn something from them. Um, can you elaborate on that? I thought that was a pretty interesting insight uh, where you'd, you'd try to get a routine within a season, maybe with the same guy uh, when you get to a new team. What was that all about? Well, I just, you know, when you're a professional athlete, um, you want the consistency and, you know, you choose your, your catch partner wisely. You don't, if you're not a guy who's um, making a guy jump and, you know, um, throwing the ball from left to right, y'all playing fetch instead of catch. <laughs> you want to match yourself with somebody who's, who plays catch. A guy that plays catch can't match himself with somebody who likes to play fetch. We don't, that's not good. <laughs> so I always pick my part, my partners carefully <clears throat> Also, I, I wanted to play catch with, you know, even if it was a guy who was a little bit more, you know, erratic in his catch play, I would like to at least play catch with him once. I wouldn't play catch with him, you know, wouldn't make him my catch partner for the season, but I like to play catch with him once because I had this affinity with trying to understand what made each guy special in their own, own right. And I did that a lot, playing catch with different guys, you know, maybe just once. And a lot of times it was just once, just to see what made them special. Why, you know, how were they, why, how they were able to make it to the major leagues? What was special about their different pitches? And that was fun. I always wanted to put a GoPro on, on, um, on one of my, my catch partners to see what made me special, but it's fun. It's, you definitely have to have some consistency. And that's why I, um, the last two years, Matt Bilal was my, my catch partner. Sure. And it doesn't come more consistent and steady than Matt Bilal. And he had told me in 2014 when I chose him, you know, I have to play catch every day. I'm like, okay, that's fine. And I knew then when he told me that, I was like, uh-oh, I might be in trouble because I was at the point in my career, I couldn't play catch every day. Sure. I took days off. I took day, day games. I just refused to throw. And then he'll come at day game, 955, let's go throw. I was like, I'll be there in 15 minutes. I didn't show up. What are you doing, bro? I'm like, hey, I don't have to throw every day. I need to save some bullets for the game. And furthermore, if you take one day off, you're not going to forget how to throw. You're not going to forget how to throw. <laughs> and, you know, for Matt Bilal, that was – he had never not thrown, so that was like foreign to him. Yeah. And I remember when he came to play for the Twins after I retired, he was saying, man, Troy, I'm so glad that, you know, we're a cash partner. I learned so much from you, like – you know, there are days I just don't throw and I feel great, man. Say, what is all about? Saving your bullets for when you need them the most. And that's, you know, in the sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth inning. Yeah, we call that veteran wisdom, LaTroy. <laughs> that's amazing. I call that getting old. Look, I call that getting old and needed, <laughs> needed a break. <laughs> yeah, well, what's uh, Tori, Tori Hunter always says, uh, if you're impressed with wisdom, just don't don't forget, wisdom is nothing but healed pain. Been been through it, lived yes. through that, and and learned from yep. it that way. Can write a book about it. Yep, That's indeed. Incredible insight, uh, Latroy. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today, and uh, hopefully we can get things going again real soon here. All right, thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
That the voice of Latroy Hawkins, of course, Bally Sports North analyst, uh, two decades in the big leagues and works now alongside the uh, Twins front office. And uh, rumor was that uh, Latroy was a big reason that Matt Belisle ended up pitching for the Twins because of his sort of uh, in-depth scattering report. That's a scattering report that you can't get on paper. You can't necessarily get from watching a guy every day. That's uh, real wisdom and real insight. So we certainly appreciate Latroy's time joining us here on Twins Today. Uh, look forward to talking to him throughout the season and some of the, the, the more insights that he can lend into the now and sort of more of an office job around Major League Baseball. Um, when we come back, we are going to talk with a, a very special guest, somebody I'm really excited to, to speak with about a new Twins affiliate with a special backstory. We're going to jump into that. Uh, more baseball coming up on Twins Today. On the other side of this, you're listening to News Talk 830 WCCO. Welcome back to Twins Today. I'm Derek Wetmore, and we are talking uh, Minnesota Twins baseball, what there is to talk about today. Uh, of course, if you're just joining us, the updated news uh, is important. Yesterday's game postponed, today's game also postponed against the Angels. The Twins dealing with COVID in their clubhouses as, as straightly as I can put it. Um, we're still talking a lot of baseball. We're trying to have some fun with it given the circumstances, but that certainly takes a different track today, and I want to acknowledge that. Um, but we're joined now in one of our favorite segments, one of my favorite segments, uh, talking with the Twins minor league affiliates and their partners in getting this whole thing done. Um, it's Brand new this year, new to me, new to the Twins, the Wichita Wind Surge are the new AA affiliate, and to discuss that relationship and the franchise and everything we didn't know about it as Twins followers, we're joined today by Tim Grubbs. Tim, thank you for joining the show. Hey, it's great to be here. Uh, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be talking baseball. I was a little nervous when I saw the news yesterday that I was going to get a text, and, and one of you guys would have said, hey, let, let's push it off a couple of days. But uh, I hope it's just a little blip. Uh, as a broadcaster who's done this for 20-some years and didn't broadcast last year, days like yesterday and today make me nervous about yeah. you know the season that's coming up. That's right. Make you hold your breath. But no, we're still happy to be talking with you because there's still, it's a brand new partnership here with the Minnesota Twins. Um, I understand that you guys welcomed fans to the stands last weekend, um, not only for the first time of the year, but for the first time ever. Can you tell me the story about the stadium and Tim, how that began? So the franchise that is now in Wichita, and a lot has changed in the last 18 months. This was the New Orleans franchise that was a AAA team for the Miami Marlins that moved here to Wichita, built a new ballpark. We were set to open a year ago, a couple of days ago, would have been the first ever Pacific Coast League Stadium in the building between Wichita and at, at that time the Memphis Redbirds. But obviously we all know we don't have to get into everything. But the stadium was essentially... 95% ready. Um, we would have been ready for opening day a year ago. There were some things, and I guess you guys probably aware when you guys opened up target field, there's always a couple things behind the scenes that we would have been fine to open it. But so a year later, we're finally opening the ballpark and uh, we did it with um, our college, you know, that's here in Wichita, Wichita state university, the shockers oh, yeah. uh, opened up the building with uh, the Houston Cougars. Two weeks ago, we were supposed to open the ball. We scheduled to open up the ballpark about 30 or 40%. We were waiting for some guidance from the state and the city and the county. And then all of a sudden they said, you guys can probably go about 75, 80% with attendance. 
So uh, I was actually surprised we actually went ahead and did it, to be frank. But um, we did it, and we had 7,500 people in the building. And uh, it was electric, and it was awesome to see the building come alive, especially for what everybody had gone through from groundbreaking and moving here with the franchise and having a delayed year. And uh, our owner passed away last summer due to COVID complications. So he never saw the building you know, come alive. So that made things a little sad, but it's a, it's a, I bet you if somebody ever wants to put pen to paper, it will tell a pretty good story. What's ever happened over the last, uh, you know, two years, two plus years. Well, talking with Latroy Hawkins before this longtime MLB reliever, and now talking with you, we got, and now I've already got two books on my, on my docket that I'll have to <laughs> add the ledger um, that you mentioned, you've been in broadcasting a long time doing this. So last year, just like anybody was very unusual for you you personally and for maybe for uh, Wichita baseball fans, what was that like getting back into that building? It, it was great. Um, it was awesome. I mean, it was one of those things. I, I didn't broadcast the game last last weekend, but I was just helping wherever you can. You know how it is when you work in baseball. Uh, you know, I was handling the media relations. I had to help show around some TV reporters and some people that have never really been in the stadium. Um, you know, how to operate within the press box, How you know, all the different ins and outs of the ballpark. And, you know, I was running around, uh, you know, just getting everything done. And then all of a sudden, you know, that moment right before the national anthem where the public address announcer says, you know, you know, have a moment, you know, and everybody stops, no matter what you're doing, you know, you be respectful. And I stopped and I looked out on the field and, you know, I, I got a little emotional as you looked out there and like, here we go. You know, I moved here from New Orleans, moved my family here. And, uh, you know, I was here for the groundbreaking. I was here to see this place basically go up and become a ballpark. And here we are finally seeing a baseball game on the diamond. And it, it was very exciting. And uh, the day was awesome, you know, and I can't wait for our twins prospects to be out there taking the field uh, about three weeks from now. Tell me that because, yeah, that you, you did a great job of summing up the magic of that moment and what that must have been like there in Wichita at Riverfront Stadium. And, uh, yeah, now there's a Twins affiliation. You mentioned the Marlins. So you're going to see a lot of new faces this year. Of course, nothing new for minor league baseball, but even more than usual this time around. Uh, I'm curious two things, so I'll ask you a two-part question. One, when does that season get started? You know, And, and people can learn that information at the website. But two what's your history with the twins organization take those in any order you want but you know you've been in the game for long enough you have to have crossed some paths somewhere it's actually my paths with the twins haven't crossed hardly at all Uh, all it's nuts uh it is crazy that's a story Uh, in itself uh, it really is i've been in minor league baseball for 25 years uh i've done single a in the south atlantic league and all these leagues are gone now with all the shuffling but i was in the south atlantic league the carolina league the southern league with double a and then the last 18 years in the pacific coast league um and I've n- I never saw the Twins in single A, never saw a Twins affiliate in double A, and I saw four games my very first year in triple A. And, and for people that have followed the Twins for a long time, it, you might have to really reach back. Um, I saw the Edmonton Trappers, which was a <laughs> yeah. Twins affiliate in 2002, would have been the only time I've ever seen, I've ever broadcast a Twins affiliate. Uh, so um, it is kind of crazy. So it's me learning everything about the organization. And uh, it's fun, though. You know what I mean? I, I looked at the projected players that we could potentially see. And I've heard of some of the names. I've, I obviously, you know, as a baseball person, you read these names in baseball America and MLB.com. So it'll be a lot of learning 
you know, the first month of the season, but I'm excited about it. And uh, we open up May 4th in Springfield, Missouri, and then May 11th is our home opener when we finally open up the new ballpark here in Wichita. That's great. And, you know, some Twins fans like the baseball road trip, and who knows, maybe this is the summer for uh, taking some you know, jump in the car and go check out some minor league games. Yeah, you know, Twins affiliates in the past, we've done, I've done um, Beloit, Wisconsin. That's a decent road trip. Um, Cedar Rapids, Iowa is a decent road trip. Now, I'm curious. I mean, this would, this would be a bit of a stretch, but you mentioned, is it up to 75? For, did I hear you correctly? 75% capacity at Riverfront Stadium. So if Twins fans were looking to get out there and see some of the, the younger prospects, do I have that correct? Yeah, actually, we were 75% essentially last week. I think it's actually going to be a little bit more by the time we get into May. One of the reasons why I think we were at 75% is we had never sold a hot dog. We had never poured a beer. We had never flushed the toilet, you know, with that many people in the building. They they kind of, our organization kind of restrained itself last weekend. They did not want to go, you know, we weren't allowed to go 100, but they didn't want to go 90%. And then all of a sudden, you know how everything is, first impression, you know, you don't want someone having a difficult day and not want to come back. So with so many new people, we had 400 employees that never worked a game before at Riverfront Stadium. Wow. Um, You know, and as a full-time front office staff, there's only, you know, 20 of us or so who had been working there. So we were still learning on the fly. Obviously the part-timers were learning on the fly, but I thought the the results were great. And, um, you know, so we will be probably incrementally going up. So when we actually open up on May 11th, it could be a little higher. And then by the time, you know how things are if everything's knock on wood and, and cross our fingers um, as people get vaccinated and, and the city opens up a little more. Maybe we can even be a little higher maybe when we get to June. Yeah, well, exciting uh, to be optimistic about something looking forward here. Uh, Tim Grubbs, our guest, uh, longtime voice of the new Twins partner and really new kind of franchise, the Wichita Wind Surge. Things are things are very new around there. Um, Tim, I want to ask you as we as we go off here, we got a couple minutes here. I want to pay tribute where tribute is due. You mentioned the uh, longtime owner who unfortunately passed away last summer before a game was played at Riverfront Stadium. Can you take me through the uh, the idea to the here where the stadium stands today uh, with regard to his involvement and his legacy? So Lou Schweckheimer, a longtime baseball guy, he was a general manager of the Pawtucket Red Sox for, I think, close to 40 years. Um what Lou did was, you know, when he, when the Red Sox got sold to Boston, the Boston Red Sox, he then put together an ownership group to buy the New Orleans team. And it was the Zephyrs at the time. He rebranded the name to kind of, I don't know if it was to throw a Hail Mary or whatever, try to invigorate the ballpark uh, and the team, try to get things alive again with baseball, professional baseball in New Orleans. Things didn't really work out. And so about three years ago, um, as our tenants struggled down in New Orleans, he started to look at, okay, where could this franchise go? And um, he met some of the city leaders in Wichita, a couple other cities, but the Wichita people blew him away. Uh, the Wichita ballpark, Lawrence Dumont Stadium, was built in the 30s. It was run down. People think, I think people realized, hey, the only way we're ever going to get affiliated baseball back is to knock it down and build a new one. Uh, mayor Longwell, who was a longtime mayor of Wichita, they got on board and they started the plan and uh, it, it was great. And they broke ground in, uh, they did it. It was very 
vigorous on how they got this done. Uh, it was a design build franchise uh, operation with the architects and everything. They broke ground in February of 19, planning to open in April of 20. Yeah. And they were on track. It was going to happen. And then uh, the ballpark was ready to go. And then obviously the season went sidelined and uh, Lou, um, you know, he got COVID had some complications last July and, he left us and, um, you know, obviously his memory will always be here with this ballpark. His uh, wife still owns the team. Uh, his daughter, who's a, a young 20-year-old girl, she works for the team. She's one of our marketing people. And they had his name, Lou, on uh, – they, they, the grounds crew did a nice tr- job last week with the game. They put it right behind home plate. You know how you can mow it into the pattern of sure. the grass. And we're going to do some tributes for him all season long. And, uh, you know, we'll see where it goes from there. But – it's definitely all of us who have been with the franchise and anybody who's known Lou Schweckheimer for a long time. Uh, yes. Last Saturday was a special day. Yeah. Sad, but also a, a wonderful legacy. It sounds like left behind in Wichita. Now with the twins, new affiliate, the Wichita wind surge will be playing in double a Tim Grubbs has been our guest here, taking us all through the history of the club from recent history to today. Tim, I can't thank you enough for your time to join us today. Well, no, this was great. You know, you talk about the history of the club. I mean, it's what we haven't played a game yet, but we've been here. I moved to Wichita at 18 or 19 months ago and have yet to broadcast the game for the Winsturge. So I'm very excited to be a part of the Twins and uh, be happy to join you to talk about some of these players, you know, once, once we get rolling. Look forward to talking with you down the line. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Derek. Have a great Sunday. That the voice of Tim Grubbs, longtime broadcaster, and of course uh, now uh, sounds like eagerly awaiting uh, broadcasting his first Wichita wind surge game, the new twins, double a affiliate. Uh, so we're obviously we're excited about having the St. Paul saints right down the road, but now a, a new double a affiliate as well. The Wichita wind surge. That's a wrap for hour one of the show, but we've got another exciting hour coming up. I mean, there is a pause on the twins season right now, but we're still talking baseball here on twins today. Just to preview hour two for you really quickly, we've got a, a good friend of mine, longtime uh, MLB.com writer, Rhett Bollinger. He used to cover the Twins. There were some jokes about the curse of Rhett because he covered uh, some of the lean years, but uh, he's covering the Angels now, so who better to have on than Rhett? We're also going to talk with Mike Rand of the Star Tribune and take your calls. That's all coming up in hour two here on News Talk 830-WCCO. Welcome back to Twins Today, driven by the Maurer Auto Group. More than cars. Once again, live from Target Field, here is Derek Wetmore. Welcome back to Twins Today, driven by the Maurer Auto Group. More than cars. I'm Derek Wetmore, and uh, Twins baseball season on a bit of a pause right now. We hope to push the play button again really soon, and we hope that everybody impacted by the the recent uh, COVID tests are doing well. Somebody who's covering that series is a, a friend of mine, longtime Twins writer, who now covers the Angels for MLB.com. We'll welcome Rhett Bollinger into the show. Rhett, thank you for joining the program. Thanks for having me on, Derek. Thanks for, yeah, this is awesome. I have uh, never been so comfortable with a guest than, than having you in, Rhett. Uh, you helped me break into the game a long time ago, and uh, I, I was really excited to reach out to you about this one. Well, it's excited to have you have the show and hear about that. It's awesome. So It's awesome. Pretty cool. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't think we were going to be talking about uh, the latest COVID scare in Major League Baseball, Rhett, when we uh, started uh, planning for this appearance. What can you tell me about your timeline that you learned yesterday 
as as it went from maybe there was a, a positive test in the twins group and they were going to have to figure some things out to, oh, yeah, no, we're not playing today and we're not playing tomorrow either. Can you, can you take me through from a reporting perspective how that played out? Sure, absolutely. It was definitely a weird scene there at Angel Stadium. Uh, you know, even uh, two nights ago, I heard from Do Young Park, you know, who replaced his uh, MLB.com reporter for the Twins. He told me there's going to be another positive test by the Twins from a player. And I asked him, I thought, you know, is there a chance they could postpone these games? He thought probably not. But then yesterday, I started to find out some more info. You know, Rocco Baldelli announced that before the game, a player had tested positive. Um, and from there, it was just kind of a strange scene at Angel Stadium. You know, I think the players all kind of stood around on the field. Uh, there was no batting practice. So, um, and the crazy thing, too, was that fans were let into the stadium. So fans were coming into the stadium. They had no clue what was going on. Okay. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of these fans had driven a long way uh, thinking they were going to see a game and showed up to see all the players standing on the field, not knowing what was going to happen. And sure enough, what was it, about an hour and 20 minutes before the game, they finally announced that it was going to be postponed. Um, and then, you know what, maybe an hour and a half after that, they announced the second game was going to be postponed. And then I think Rocco had some more information. Obviously, it said that Kyle Garlic was one of the players and another player. And, and then obviously the staffer on top of the fact that we knew Anderson Simmons from last week. So, uh, yeah, just a crazy day. And first time for the Angels, too. I think it was the first time for the Twins having COVID issues. First time the Angels have had a game delayed because of that or postponed because of that as well. We'll see when they can make these up. It's going to be hard to fit that in. Um, but, yeah, definitely one of the crazier days on the beat to have all that happen uh, yesterday. Certainly not, as I said, what I was expecting to talk to you about today. I thought we were going to talk about uh, two-way superstars like Shohei Otani and uh, Williams Astadio. I thought that was going to be the focus <laughs> of our conversation. But, yeah, as you mentioned, Rhett, so we, what we know right now, three Twins players tested positive. We know two of them are Andrelton Simmons and Kyle Garlick. Uh, and... We also know twin staffer, so there there is this sort of waiting period now. As from my understanding, right, like the protocols play out, so the twins can do their contact tracing, they can do further testing to try to clear or at least get to the bottom of where this stands. Um, but we don't know right now. At least I don't personally on this microphone uh, know. A, when do these games get made up? Because that's going to have to happen at some point for a full season. And B, what happens next? The Twins are supposed to go to Oakland to finish their West Coast swing, and I I have no idea what happens with that. Um, But we've seen teams, Rhett, in the past 12 months impacted by this in a major way. The St. Louis Cardinals, the Miami Marlins, even the Washington Nationals early this season. I guess that's what we know from the Twins' perspective, but I want to ask you from the Angels' now what are, are are they also having to hit the pause button and sort of do these contact tracing you know because let's not forget they played a game against the twins just the other night yeah the thing was too is that Kyle Garlic played in that game too so I'm sure even you know especially catcher you know Kurt Suzuki caught that game for the Angels former twin I mean they got to make sure he's okay and the umpire staff too you know as part of that yeah so there's gonna be a lot of testing going on in the next few days to kind of find out what's going on here in the past you know we've seen other teams like the Astros have a, an outbreak, but that's right. still able to play because I think a lot of it's just going to be contract tracing. If they can find out that everybody who played in that game otherwise, you know, the next few days here continues to test, you know, negative. I think there's a chance both teams could maybe play here, um, you know, this week. I think obviously the Angels are in a better shape than the, you know, than the Twins considering they haven't had a single uh, positive test yet. Um, and we'll kind of see. I know the Angels, a lot of the players were vaccinated in spring training, but same thing at the wait a few weeks for that to even become you know, fully vaccinated anyway. So it's, we're still kind of too early in the season for that to take hold, even if the guys have been vaccinated. So 
yeah, it's going to be one of those situations. You know, MLB is going to keep a surprise what's going on here. Uh, but yeah, it's just going to be a lot of testing and a lot of waiting here and, and finding out more here and hopefully in the near future. Yeah. Again, not the pause that we wanted to, to talk about today, but it's where we're at. Um, I guess because I only get you on so infrequently, Rhett, and I was, I was really looking forward to this. I still want to ask you about, well, pretty cool. You cover Mike Trout now, so there's that. You cover Shohei Otani, but the person who I think Twins fans will want to hear the most about, and he is on the COVID IL right now, so we're not going to hide or run from that, but Andrelton Simmons as a defensive wizard at shortstop, um, what do Twins fans need to know? We've only seen him in little glimpses, and we're all kind of waiting, like, where's that first exclamation point uh andrelton simmons moment um what was what was that like covering in a room full of stars oh albert pujols too i forgot to mention now andrelton simmons uh with the twins he'll get to flash some leather at shortstop yeah he's a great defender he was pretty fun to watch there in anaheim over the years uh make some great plays he's got an incredible arm too so he can get deep in the hole make a great throw to first base um and really i think he's the best player i've ever seen in terms of catching pop-ups, like okay. shallow pop-ups in left field, or even in foul territory, they'll run from shortstop all the way into foul territory and catch him no problem at all. Huh. So, yeah, he's, he's the best shortstop probably I've ever seen defensively. Um, the Angels signed, uh, you know, traded for, sorry, Jose Iglesias, who's also a very good defender and actually has made a couple highlight plays uh, this year and, and even in spring training. But, yeah, t- Twins fans will definitely see a lot of that from Angleton. The big key for him is just keeping him on the field. Sure. Uh, the last two seasons he had uh, – left ankle sprains that were both pretty significant exact same way too. He was running to first base and kind of lunged to first and then twisted his ankle on the bag mm. and both times it was pretty ugly. And then he missed, you know, some time for sure, both times. And, and it kind of seemed to linger throughout the season, the last two seasons. So for him, I think with the twins, he's got to stay healthy this year. Uh, got to be smart about running the bases. Um, but yeah, if he can stay healthy and be normal Andleton, you know, even offensively, he's developed into a better hitter over the years and has some power. Um, you know, never going to be a great hitter, but he's, he's a guy that can have a lot of high contact. But really, yeah, defensively, he really is a marvel. And I think once he's back out there, uh, Twins fans will definitely enjoy watching him. We've noticed it on the double plays, where if he's the on the receiving end of that flip from second base, all of a sudden you think, this might be a bang-bang play, and then... Boom! No, no chance that Andrelton was going to throw him out if he all he needed was a half a step, and that arm strength has been the thing that surprised me about him watching him daily. Anyways, yeah, absolutely. He really does have a cannon at short. I haven't really seen too many guys in baseball with an arm like that, uh, especially for a shortstop. I glossed over this, Rhett, and I know uh, you are a, you're a reporter and a journalist, and you sort of uh, you take this. Uh, I don't want to call it detached, but you're you're not a fan in the press box. I think that would be fair to say. Um, having said that, you are covering some legends in this game now with your your Angels beat. Yeah, Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, Albert Pujols, Joe Madden even throw him into that. Um, does does that dawn on you ever? Do you do you sit and think on that, or is it uh, another day on the job? And you've always had a pretty cool job. <laughs> no, it's definitely true. I've always had a fun job, and you know, even back in the day, covering Joe Mauer, you know, Justin Morneau, and those guys, and Tori Hunter. Uh, the second time was always cool too. But yeah, I mean, you didn't even mention Anthony Rendon. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, superstar third baseman. So yeah, I mean, you definitely don't take it for granted. You know, Mike Trout, uh, you know, could go down as maybe the best player ever. Uh, Shohei Otani's doing stuff that nobody's really ever done before. I mean, he's pretty incredible right now. He's you know been one of the best hitters in the league, um, and also in his one start against you know the White Sox, he was throwing 101 miles per hour and struck out seven guys and you know four and a third innings so he's you know one of the hardest throwing pitchers in baseball and also i think the other day too had a double that 
at an exit velocity of like 119 miles per hour. So you can pretty much hit the ball as hard as Aaron Judge and throw as hard as Jacob deGrom. So um, it's a pretty amazing combination. So for me, I, I never take that for granted, seeing those guys kind of play just because they are, uh, you know, potentially, you know, all-time greats. I know we know Albert Pujols already is, you know, he's at the end of his career now, yeah. but, you know, just for Albert, I've seen him hit some really cool milestones, you know, 600 homers, first player to ever have 650 homers, and 650 doubles. So, and Joe Madden, you know, he's got a great personality. He's won a world series, you know, ended that drought with a cub. So yeah, I mean, it's a fun beat, a lot of stuff always going on, but uh, yeah, you don't take it for granted. It's always still fun to see this. And, you know, if I, if I take it for granted, I wouldn't be doing this anymore because, you got to have fun and do what you love, and it's definitely something that I definitely love. Yeah, got to have fun with it. And, Red, I, I forgot to mention this, but, of course, you get to be around all those stars, but they get to be covered by you, so they got something out of the deal, too. Exactly. <laughs> That's the whole point. Exactly. They, they knew about They read about the stuff in Minnesota. They were all big fans before I came. So Yeah, that's right. Joe Maurer told them good things. <laughs> <laughs> they got the scouting report on you before you went to Southern California. Exactly. Yep. Uh, amazing, uh, amazing insight uh, into the Angels and the whole twin situation. Uh, that the voice of Rhett Bollinger, who covers the Angels for MLB.com. Rhett, uh, great talking with you, buddy, and thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, that was awesome. Thanks so much. We'll keep you posted on everything as we know it, as we learn. You know, Twins Today here is the program, and typically – our goal is to have fun talking about uh, Twins baseball. But, of course, it's a little bit of a different track today with the pause given the fact that three Twins players we know have uh, tested positive for COVID and uh, some staffers as well. As Rhett mentioned there, there's kind of a weird scene at Angel Stadium as it all unfolded, and we'll keep you posted. The, the more that we know, the more that you'll know um, what this means for today's game is that it's postponed. We already know that. Now the Twins are going through their protocols and contact tracing and trying to learn more about the situation uh, so that you know we can potentially move forward. Of course, of course, we hope that everybody involved is, is safe and doing all right and uh, can get through this just fine. That is our first concern. Secondarily is what happens next, what happens with the scheduled Oakland series that the Twins were to go on. Rep made a good point about the Astros. They had some big names hit the uh, COVID injured list, but their season marches on. Um, one of the reasons why baseball has changed their rosters for this year. So uh, don't know what's going to happen. We'll keep you posted, and of course keep it locked here at 2 o'clock today. Chris Atterbury is joined by Twins baseball boss Derek Falvey. They'll have the latest on the situation then. I'll keep you posted on the latest now. Um, that's that's uh, the best I can tell you right now. We'll move on with the program. Uh, this is the, the Mauer Auto Group break. Of course, you know Twins Today is driven by the Mauer Auto Group. And joining us now from the Mauer Auto Group, Jeremy McFarland. And uh, I understand uh, with the home opening season at Target Field, a couple staffers were able to get out there to Target Field, and uh, there's maybe a little bit of a buzz around the office. Yeah, there's a lot of buzz around the office. We've had some some customers have gone out there, some friends of mine have gone out there, uh, some of my coworkers have gone out there, but I just I love it. Everybody comes back, and the big response is, it's so great to be outside doing something and seeing all the fans, whether we win, whether we lose, it's just good to be part of the Twins. You talk about getting out. What's the plug that you generally give this time of year for people wanting to come on out and take a look? If people want to get out and go do something, now is a great time to come to all three of the dealerships. We've got the Mauer, you know, the Mauer Auto Group, it includes 
Mauer Main Chevrolet up in Anoka, Mauer Chevrolet down at Invergrove Heights, and Mauer Buick GMC also right next to Mauer Chev in Invergrove Heights. So whether you're in the North Metro, the South Metro, in between, all around the state, it doesn't matter. You can come to us and we're going to take care of you. So if you want to get out, might as well come out and look at some cars. The tease you gave last time, Jeremy, I believe, was we got some big news coming in June. Are you ready to reveal that big, big news? Uh, we won't reveal it yet. Okay. But we can one more little tease on there. If you like fair food, uh, pay attention to us. Like state uh, fair we, food. We, yeah, state fair food. Yes, we did a little something last year. So we're going to make it bigger, better. And uh, if, if you like food and you like cars and you like having a good time, just keep paying attention for June. <laughs> I'm going to guess it's a, it's a new automobile deep fried in batter and put on a stick. Yep. Car on a stick. <laughs> you talked about some of the specials too, uh, Jeremy, uh, cars that people can lease right now for under $300 a month. Where are you steering people when they come in and they say, you know, what, I just, I just need something new right now. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing, you know, a lot of the manufacturers are moving away from making actual cars and we're going into the SUV market, you know, there's not many cars left to choose from. So in the SUV lineup, we have three of them under $300. We have the Equinox for 289, we have the Trailblazer for 259, or the Buick Encore for 249. So, you know, if you've got that Cruise or that Sonic, if you're looking to get away from your car and, you know, look into that SUV market, we've got SUVs starting very small, going all the way up to the Suburban, which is the biggest, the king of the hill. But uh, we can take care of you on all of those. The easiest way to do it is, you know, um, MauerBuickGMC.com, MauerChev.com, MauerMainChev.com. There is a Mauer Auto Group website that you can get to all three of the stores on. So we're trying to make it as easy as possible. But again, the, the best way to do it is just to come in, say hi to us, and we'll kind of show you around a little bit. And that's where you can see the uh, model building of a car on a stick, I assume. Yeah, the car on the stick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's Jeremy from the Mauer Auto Group. Jeremy, thank you so much for the time. All right, thank you. Twins Today is brought to you by Mauer Auto Group, more than cars. All right, welcome back, Twins Today. I'm Derek Wetmore. This is a special part of the program where we kind of peel back the curtain in the Twins organization. Uh, a lot of people listening to this show right now know the team on the field. They maybe know the, the minor leagues, but there's so much more to the Twins, and I kind of like to unpack that for people. So my guest for this segment is Josh Ortiz, Senior Manager of Community Relation and Youth Engagement. Josh, thank you for joining us. Eric, thanks so much for having me, and, and I just want to start by saying congratulations to you on, on Twins Today and the, the show. You're off to a great start, and I'm, I'm happy to be here with you. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's kind of you to say, and, and one of the things I wanted to have you on the show for to sort of, to sort of unpack is that behind-the-scenes element that I mentioned. Um, Twins Community Fund, of course, very involved in the community and uh, community engagement. That's a big part of your role, I'd imagine ask you the tough question off the bat is uh, the pandemic has affected everybody. I have to imagine it's impacted the work that you do on a daily basis. Yeah. I, I don't know that anybody that's escaped the effect of the pandemic, certainly in, in any, in any business um, or, or any service that they're providing And it's affected us in a pretty big way. Uh, so much of what we do is around um, getting kids playing, getting kids opportunities to play and all, all the cool things that come with that. And, and when you, have a pandemic and, and the guidance from, um, you know, scientists and, and doctors is, is to not gather. 
that, that really changes things. You know, in 20, uh, 2020, this summer, uh, we only ran um, really one program and the rest we shut down. And so now we're into 2021. We're again following guidance to try to get kids back out playing. Um, and, and it's tough because sometimes things change from week to week. And so we've certainly been affected by the pandemic. And there's a lot of kids who want to get out and play. And there's a lot of parents who want their kids to get out and play. Uh, and the weather's becoming beautiful. And so we're trying to figure out how to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I guess let's start with the overarching thing of like you mentioned getting kids out and play. And like that sounds good just on its own right what's the impetus behind wanting to get uh more kids involved in youth sports well i i i played uh as a kid derek i'd venture to guess you've all your years spent around the game you must have played as a kid and and when we think about that um first off i think about fun the fun that i had and then secondly I think about all those skills and lessons that I learned that I carry with me today. And so baseball and softball have the power to be a, um, to be a part of a, a formative experience for, for young people. And so it's not just about playing and, and developing the game, although that's a huge piece of it is developing you know, the next generation of fans. And, and even in some ways, the next generation of ball players. So who knows, who knows where the next Joe Maurer is coming from or, or the next Kent Herbeck. But, but aside from that, it's about being a positive experience in a kid's life, learning about teamwork, learning about uh, accountability, you know, failure, success, all those really cool things that, that come with playing baseball and softball. So that's, that's why we want to bring the game to kids. I had kind of heard Josh and correct me if I'm wrong about this, a story about hosting um, coaching clinics from the past. And when we had Stephanie Johnson on the program last week, kind of peel back this curtain for fans, she mentioned that uh, there were some coaching clinics dating all the way back to when the senators came to the twin cities in 1961. Um, That is a totally different uh, experience, I imagine, when you, when you, as you said, you're advised to not gather and things like that. I understand you guys did some virtual coaching clinics last year. Yeah, no, no doubt. So the the youth clinics began in in '61, and then we started doing coaching clinics uh, about ten years ago. And okay. what we were, what we were able to do, and this is a cool thing. Um, there, there's there's some cool things and opportunities that have come from the pandemic. We were able last spring to do some coaching clinics using our major, our, our minor league staff, so our, our player development staff, and that's just not an opportunity we had before. But we had Zoom, we had them where they were, uh, we brought them in. I uh, I played host, which was a ton of fun, and um, <laughs> we talked about various uh, things, and and um, it was for coaches and also a little bit for kids in teaching like some of the things that they could be doing at home and they could be thinking about at home, you know, while they're away from their buddies and, and not at the field. And so uh, we learned a ton and then we, uh, we pivoted now we're, we're doing them now this spring um, in, in much the same fashion. Uh, so that's one of the really cool things that came out was new ways and new opportunities of getting information out to coaches and kids and, and really being able to use our twin staff in ways that we haven't been able to do before. Talk about access. I, I had heard about that a little bit that, you know, yeah, here's a guy who um, in a typical season might be working with Royce Lewis on turning his double plays. And now he's working with, you know, your fourth grader or something like that. Just incredible. Yeah, no doubt. We have um, a really cool series coming up at the end of this month. We'll do uh, two events, end of April and two in the beginning of May, where um, we've got uh, Edgar Varela, 
Pete Mackey, Tony Diaz, and Tommy Watkins are all wow. leading a clinic session on on their kind of respective expertise areas for uh, kids in our RBI program. So again, super cool way to connect with our our coaches and and really get access uh, to to major league minds. That's yeah. Those are four guys on Rocco Baldelli's staff, and you mentioned quickly there RBI, uh, reviving baseball in inner cities. Can you just tell me the overview yeah. of that program? That that is the the largest investment that the Twins Community Fund makes in a baseball and softball program. It's amazing. We partner with the Minneapolis Park and Recreation Board and the City of St. Paul uh, to operate the program. And through our partnership, those entities really handle a lot of the league operations, things that they're good at that we're not equipped for. We provide uh, cash resources, in-kind support and leadership uh, and things, things of that nature. And, and so through that partnership, we have nearly 4,000 kids playing um, in baseball and softball in Minneapolis and St. Paul. And we like to say, if you play in the Twins RBI program, you play for the Twins. And so if you're playing at, uh, you know, Botano Park or Longfellow in, in Minneapolis or Palace Recreation Center, some, you know, some of those, you're playing for the twins. So it's cool to have that, that neighborhood feel you're playing at your local rec center or your local park that's near your house, but you also have a connection to the twins. And so we've been running that program uh, since the early nineties and uh, we've seen a lot of success come out of it. Can you take me back and Josh Ortiz, our guest kind enough to join us today, senior manager of community relation and youth engagement with the Minnesota twins, Josh, you've uh, no doubt had some cool experiences and of course, there are challenges like with any job. Can you uh, over, overview a story for you that stands out as a, a moment where you just kind of got to nod your head and say, yeah, this is a pretty cool part of my job? You know, one of the things I really look back on um, with nothing but smiles was the opportunity that we had around the All-Star Game when uh, the Midsummer Classic came to the Twin Cities. One a really cool element of that is the legacy um, the legacy giving program. And uh, we were able to put uh, a little north of $8 million into projects in Minnesota because that game came here. It was um, one, a cool thing is uh, part of the, the revenue from workout day home run derby uh, gets left in the community. And uh, our leadership at the Polad family uh, looked at that number and said, we can do better. And, uh, and they matched it. And, and so leadership like that is, um, it's amazing. And I think unique, you know, in a lot of ways, so we were able to put $8 million back in and I got to be a project manager on four, um, four baseball and softball fields that we put in Minneapolis, St. Paul and, and, uh, and Robbinsdale. Um, I learned a ton about construction. <laughs> I, never, I never thought that I would, that I would know, but now I drive by those, those, those fields and they they still look beautiful and there's, there are places for kids to play. And, and when, when kids have this shining beacon that they can look at, that that's their, that's their ballpark. Uh, it makes the game more fun and it creates more pride in those communities where they're playing at these beautiful ballparks. And that's what that um, the legacy uh, giving program enabled us to, to do was invest in some really great fields and, and facilities for kids to play on. So I always look back on that one. Um, there's so much pageantry around the all-star game. Um, but for me, it was, it was those legacy projects that when the game left and here, we're here in 2021, those things are still here and they're here because of the all-star game. So that was awesome. 
Really cool to see those uh, seeds planted in 2014 start to start to blossom and bear fruit. Um, no doubt. Super fun to hear about. I also, I, I should ask too, let's say somebody wants to get involved in something like that, Josh, uh, either they have kids of their own that they'd like to get uh, signed up for these sorts of opportunities, or maybe they're just looking for some volunteering to do around the games of baseball and softball. Where's the best place that they can learn about that? The best place to go is twinscommunityfund.org. That'll give you an opportunity to see what all the community fund is doing. Uh, and then the second one is twinsbaseball.com backslash training. Uh, that, that's a place where you can go to um, really find some really fun training opportunities, baseball camps, uh, things, things like that, that are, that are probably a, a notch up from, uh, from some of the other things that, that we do. So those are two really great places to go and find um, information. I should ask you too, Josh, because, um, you know, we both live and work in the Twin Cities and it's fair to say that right now um, our community is going through a, a painful moment, maybe particularly painful um, with certain groups. How in, in the scope of things, right? Because I mean, I'm doing a baseball show where I talk about baseball and admittedly there are some days where there are just bigger issues how in, in that sense are the Minnesota Twins addressing some of the things that are going on around our communities right now? And maybe as a follow-up to that, how can people help? Yeah, th thank you for saying that, Derek. I think it's really important to point out that um, there are bigger issues happening in our communities right now. Um, baseball is awesome. Love it. Love watching Twins games. I love being part of the organization. I love operating programs. And it's important to recognize that there right now, um, there's some more important things going on in our communities. And, and so by, by first off, just kind of acknowledging that I think is important um, and important for fans to hear as well. Uh, but what, what we're trying to do um, and what we've been trying to do, at least in my time here, is um, use the games, baseball and softball, as community building and uh, creating positive uh, environments within communities where people can gather and, and watch a baseball or softball game uh, and meet neighbors and, and meet new people and, and really just kind of be this, this kind of mixing pot. Um, and we understand that, that we can't solve the issues that are happening in our communities, but we do know that we can be a part of it. And so by investing in, in communities and uh, even in communities of color where, where we're, we're trying to um, do better and, and, and have more opportunities in programming, by investing in those communities and being part of it, it, it that's important to us. We, we want to do that. And so uh, if it's, you know, youth clinics or a, a baseball or softball league or, um, or even bringing players out to meeting fans in, in our communities to, to be part of um, progress, we, 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 want, we want to do that. Um, some places you mentioned about getting involved, you know, our, our RBI program has locations in some of the communities that we're talking about that have been affected. Uh, I had a really great uh, conversation with a group getting a new grassroots baseball program uh, near 38th in Chicago that we, we're going to support. Um, so uh, twinscommunityfund.org will, will give you some opportunities to volunteer for some of the programs that we're doing uh, and getting involved. You know, obviously we, we always need umpires. Umpires are a big deal in our programs. And so it's things we don't think about, um, but we need umpires so kids can, can play games. And that, that's something that we're really looking, uh, looking for right now. And so um, it's important to acknowledge what's happening in our communities. Um, and, and we need to figure out ways that we can be part of solutions and part of progress. And, and we're trying to do that. Yeah. And part of the solution, of course, is just 
living with it and not running from it, um, sort of sort of engaging. And I should say too, I, I know it doesn't all, it doesn't start and end with financial contributions, Josh, but the Minnesota Twins have been fairly generous in my perspective about um, you know, contributing to some social justice causes that have become center stage of our focus here the last 12 months. Yeah, we have. And, and it's, we've done that for a long time. Um, we've done social justice work really for a long time. Uh, we've, we've stepped it up and, and the Polad family has really led the way you saw their commitment of $25 million over the course of five years. Like that's, that's leadership um, that is easy to follow. And so um, we're, we're, we're trying to figure out how to be a good neighbor, how to be a good community member, because that, that's what it's about. We have an amazing stadium right in the heart of downtown and in the North Loop area. And we have neighbors and there are communities and it's important to support them uh, in ways that, that they need it. You know, support through a pandemic, through, uh, you know, social uh, unrest, social justice um, fights and, and things like that. And, mm-hmm. That's important for us to do because we're a member of this community and we need to support this community uh, as, as we move forward. And uh, it's, it's incumbent on us to do our part to help community grow. That is the voice of Josh Ortiz, the Senior Manager of Community Relation and Youth Engagement. Josh, thank you so much for taking the time today. Thanks, Derek. More baseball after this on Twins Today. You're listening to News Talk 830-WCCO. Welcome back to Twins Today. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, and we are talking about the Twins today. It's not exactly what we had uh, expected to on this program. Uh, Twins Today, driven by Maurer Auto Group, more than cars. Uh, Let's jump right into it. I've got a very special guest of uh, the internet fame and also Star Tribune Sports Section and new host of the... uh, it's called the uh, Daily Delivery Podcast. Yes. Sorry, I almost twisted my words there. From the uh, Mike Rand Podcast Studios is Mike Rand. Mike, thanks for joining us. You bet. How you doing, Derek? I'm I'm well, thank you. Thanks for asking and appreciate you having on the show. I, I really mean that sincerely. Uh, I listen to the Daily Delivery, and uh, it does look like you are in the Mike Rand Podcast Studios right now. I am also known as my basement. Um, I don't have the uh, I don't have my green screen up, so I just have the the, <laughs> the blank wall behind me. I don't have the daily delivery background that you uh, annoyingly see every time I tweet out the the links and stuff like that. But yes, I am in the uh, I am in the daily delivery studios. Well, it's been fun to hear you on the show, and I, I hope that continues to uh, be fruitful for you and for the Star Tribune sports section. Um, when I when I asked you to be on the show, Mike. I thought we were going to be talking about Twins baseball, and I should give out the numbers here in case people want to call and uh, give uh, either Mike or myself a piece of your mind and talk about uh, Twins baseball. You can call 651-989-9226 if you want to hear your thoughts on the radio, 651-989-9226. But Mike, I thought we were going to be talking about Byron Buxton or or Josh Donaldson or maybe even the bullpen gasp, but uh, now... The, the conversation here just takes a whole another turn with the Twins hitting the pause button on this season. Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, you don't know how they're going to react. You don't know, you know, anytime you have to, you have to have that pause and they didn't go through it at all last season. I mean, that was kind of, you know, probably the, the frustrating part for them is they make it through all of, you know, the 60 game season last year, the postseason without having to, to hit this, hit the pause button where, you know, a, a handful of other teams had those lengthy, you know, delays. And then you, you feel like we're, 
you know, again, COVID is still very much a thing right now. It's still, it's, we're not done with it, but you also, you got into this season you're like, you know, can, can they at least, you know, bridge this early part of the season, you know, and they, they, you know, a lot of the players just got vaccinated 10 days ago. So you're thinking, are they getting close to feeling like they're at least going to be somewhat in the clear? And then, and then they're not it's just a reminder of kind of where we are still and then how kind of careful you have to be, you know, both from a health perspective first and foremost, and from the perspective of not having your season disrupted. Right. Mike, you've done distance running in your past, and it's not that we're at the finish line here with this, but I guess what mile marker would you say we're at if we're running a marathon here with uh, Sports in America as it relates to COVID-19? That's a funny, funny you mentioned that analogy. I just went for a run a little while ago this morning. Beautiful day. But, uh, you know, it's, if, if, it's hard to say, right? Because, you know, I've talked with various teams about this and just, you know, every time they think they've got a handle on it, they, you know, COVID throws them a, a curveball or something sure. like that. But um, it, it does feel, at least in terms of sports, if you hear about the way teams are planning, if you're talking about the twins having 10,000 fans back in the stands uh, this year at target field and hoping for more as the season goes on, optimistic that maybe by the end of the year or even a little sooner, they can be back to full capacity at target field. You hear the Timberwolves, you know, an indoor arena talking about how their their future planning is involving you know the start of next season hopefully having a full or the ability to have a full target center um you know you start to think you know you hope that you know you're not at mile 13 you're not halfway through this you hope you're more like mile 22 mile 23 but you know sometimes those last three or four miles in a marathon if we're going to continue that analogy are the hardest ones yeah. and you got to just got to got to power through and get there they are painful it's like what's the worst what's the worst mile in a marathon well it's mile 20 but then after that it's mile 21 and uh, that's until you get to mile 22 because that's worse than the other two as well and just keeps kind of going until you get to the, the finish worst, line. The worst one I ever did, I've, I've done five, and the worst one I ever did was uh, with my friend uh, Tom Lineman in Toronto. And they do they have both mile markers and kilometer markers <laughs> on that one. So you're getting like a marker all the time. Sure. But the kilometers, there's 42 of them. Oh, so no. it's like your, your psychological battle right there. Anyway. Yeah, that really is. That's heartache, and especially when your body's going through it. Um, we should give the update, too, uh, for people, if you're just joining us, uh, that's the voice of Mike Rand of the Star Tribune and the Daily Delivery Podcast. I'm Derek Wetmore, host of Twins Today here, uh, driven by the Mauer Auto Group more than cars. The update, as we know it, as we sit here right now, and I've had Twitter open all morning, Mike, because I'm trying to follow this thing as as news develops too. We know that three Twins players have tested positive for COVID, and so Saturday's game, as well as today's game, have been postponed. Those will likely be rescheduled later in the season if you're following what what other teams have done when they've been impacted by COVID-19. But uh, West Coast Road Trip, which was scheduled to go to Oakland after this, we, we don't know. We, we don't know where that stands right now. And uh, the best way to put it is it's a pause on the season as the Twins deal with uh, COVID-related issues. Uh, if you want to call in, you can certainly share your thoughts on this with us at 651-989-9226. That's 651-989-9226 to talk with uh, us uh, about the Twins. And, Mike, I'm kind of curious because you've been doing digital sports editing for at least as long as I've known you and longer than that. When something like this is unfolding, unexpected news, but also like not that unexpected because you were kind right. of prepared for it. What's it like from an editor's perspective as, as you sort of follow to see, well, this news is breaking right this very moment and it's going to impact today's game, tomorrow's game, and maybe the immediate future. Take me through kind of what you're sitting in your chair thinking. 
Yeah, it's complicated from a lot of a lot of different vantage points, right? Because you want to get the first thing, you know, there's I think the biggest push pull with internet reporting and editing is the, the the constant balance between making sure you get it right, but being as fast as possible. And sometimes those things are not necessarily those aren't necessarily at odds with each other, but it just makes you work faster. It makes you, you know, you 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 go through all the same standards, but they have to be faster. So you're working to verify, you know, you're seeing reports, you don't want to just jump right in and say, well, this is what's happening. Mm-hmm. Certainly, certainly helps when, you know, a team makes things official pretty quickly and the twins were, were pretty quick with, you know, what was going on um, Saturday and certainly, you know, announcing pretty quickly after that first one was postponed that that Sunday's game would also be postponed. And, you know, this story is, you know, COVID's a tricky one too, because it's, you know, you've got privacy issues. You don't know exactly who's affected. You don't want to just go out and say, you know, this happened. You know, determine a cause and effect. So yeah. I think the, I think the hardest thing to do in in reporting on something like this isn't isn't necessarily, you know, the the, the details. It's making sure that you're, you know, balancing everything out. That you're you're getting things out there because people are interested in it. Like if the game's not happening, people want to know that right away. Like that affects yeah. some of their viewing habits and things like that. But you also, you know, you don't want to jump the gun and you don't want to you know, jump to conclusions or draw cause and effect that might not be correct. Yeah, that's a great point, too. And we had Rhett Bollinger on the uh, mutual friend on the show earlier today, who now covers the Angels for MLB.com, longtime uh, Twins beat writer who uh, also cursed the franchise, apparently, while he was in uh, the cities. Uh, That's the legend, anyways. I don't know. I'm not here to prove or disprove anything. But uh, Rhett basically brought up uh, the Astros as another example of this. You know, because in my head, when I hear about this, Mike, just personally i'm thinking uh okay last year the cardinals and the marlins had their seasons i mean just dramatically impacted uh even earlier this year the washington nationals uh not getting to start their season on time because of similar issues but red brought up the astros who yes had some positive tests and of course you know you're you're concerned about that and you hope that everybody's okay as well but their season was able to continue rolling on so i really I don't mean to be disingenuous by saying, like, we don't know what happens next, but there's very recent examples of it going either way for different major league clubs. So it's just so hard to say at this point. Yeah. And, the, you know, again, too, and you don't you don't know exactly how reschedules are going to work and you don't want to, you know, you don't want to dive too deep into speculation. But you do wonder sometimes, like in cases like this, how, you know, how the difficulty of potential rescheduling will factor into how they try to proceed. I think they're going to take health into consideration first and foremost, Mm -hmm. but you know, if these are games against AL central teams that are more easily made up, I I don't think the discussions necessarily change, but the logistics change. And I think it just adds another layer when you're talking about missing two games against the angels who, you know, they just don't play very often and potentially this, you know, this next series too, that all these West coast games um, when you factor in travel, when you factor in that they just don't play these teams, that don't play these teams as much as the teams they play in their own division, those get extra tricky to try to fit in and find common off days and things like that. So uh, the logistical hurdles of this will be interesting to see if if more than just these two games are affected. Yeah, no, that's a great point too. If you're just joining us, Twins uh, games on pause right now while we try to figure out what comes next for the team. What we do know is that three players including Andrelton Simmons and Kyle Garlick, have tested positive for COVID. And so there's contact tracing, there's there's testing. Um, safety comes first, as as Mike just said. That's the voice of Mike Rand, who uh, works for the Star Tribune sports section and is the new host 
of the Strib Sports Daily Delivery podcast from the uh, Mike Rand Studios, as I'm calling them. Um, we, you know, when I reached out to you, I thought we were going to get to talk Twins baseball and the 2021 season. And, and I've had fun following your, your podcast as you have various guests on talking about the Twins. Um, of course, it takes a little bit of a different turn, but I still wanted the opportunity, Mike, to chat with you about kind of the 2021 season, where the Twins stand right now. I think it's a really good team on paper with a bad record. Would you fight me on that claim? No, I think that's that's probably about right. You know, we we jumped we we try to avoid jumping to conclusions when you just look at a record that says six and eight. You're like, ah, oh, that's disappointing. You know, they were five and two at one point. They they hit a, a streak. You know, especially on that home stand where things, you know, kind of went sideways a little bit. They've lost a lot of close games. They've won some blowouts. So if you like, if you look at they're kind of run differential on balance. You know, they probably should be, you know, at least seven and seven, maybe eight and six. They've lost these three games and in extra innings. They lost the double header. Um, you know, so you, you do what's going to be what we need more of the season to figure out probably is whether losing these close games is a function of how they're constructed. And if there's some sort of flaw there where they get into these close games, they don't quite have enough bullpen or they don't quite have enough, you know, hitting to match another team's better bullpen um, matchups and things like that. Or if this is just a function of a really small sample size and it'll smooth out as they, you know, as they play different teams, as, as the season goes along, Um, you know, but I think the one thing I've noticed at least from right from the jump this season is this, this is a team that doesn't have a lot of glaring flaws. Like you look at everything they do is pretty good. At least the starting pitching has been really good. I think on balance, it's pretty good. I think the offense is going to be pretty good. I think the bullpen is going to be fine. Um, So it's a team of a lot of pretty good and nothing exceptional outside of a couple of individual performances. And I want to see how that translates to 162 games. It feels like they should be in a lot of games. I just, I don't know. What we don't know yet is how that how that transforms uh, and how that plays out, uh, you know, in in close games this season. Yeah, no, that's a great point, and the larger sample should help us sort through some of those things. I won't get you started on this, Mike, because I know that you hate the extra innings rule. So I, I I'm going to just artfully steer clear of that one and uh, and uh, move us on because I do see a caller on the line that wants to get his thoughts on the show. Uh, he called 651-989-9226 here. I understand Larry in Minneapolis has a has a question or comment for us. Larry, welcome to Twins Today. Go ahead. Hi there. Uh, I was wondering about these rules that came with COVID into baseball and the, you know, the man on second in extra innings, the seven inning uh, double headers, the possibility of the um, designated hitter going away forever. What what do you guys think about that? Yes, no, great, terrible. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for the call, Larry, and, and thanks for listening to the show. All right, well, I thought we were going to steer clear of it, Mike, but uh, <laughs> this is what the people that want. We've got a couple minutes left, so I'm going to throw it to you. Uh, the double, I'll, I'll start by saying that the double headers being seven innings, I think that's just a roster construction thing. That is making sure, you know, you're not having to make four pitching moves after a double header to refresh your roster that really you're keeping um hopefully your best team at all times when possible. But uh they also are trying to make sure games don't go 30 innings and uh, they're putting a runner on second base artificially dialing up the pressure some might say, Mike Randa, uh, you hate this rule. I don't like it. Uh, maybe hates too strong because oh, okay. I get it. And, you know, I, it would be disingenuous for me to say at the outset that we're still in 
COVID and then say, get rid of this rule that they put in because of COVID in 2020. What I don't like about it is I feel like it, it, it tries to solve a problem with a gimmick. It tries to solve a, a length of game and pace of play problem more than it tries to solve a bullpen problem. Because look, if you go and look at it, 8% of games go into extra innings, 2% go beyond 11 innings. You're not really solving a problem by, by, by creating this new bullpen rule. I mean, maybe it affects one out of every 50 games meaningfully. Hmm. What you really need to do in order to improve the flow of a game and improve the, you know, this creeping up of time of game is institute a pitch clock. It's just that simple. And I hope they can get around to that when they recollectively bargain this, uh, this contract uh, in the upcoming off season. Well, it's fascinating too, because COVID give, gave them a little bit of latitude to like, Hey, let's, you know, fudge this a little bit. Let's just figure it out with these new rosters, the schedules, the double headers and the extra inning rule. And the DH is kind of unrelated to that. I, I do think we'll see a universal DH at some point, but who knows? other people say no um it gave them a chance to to experiment with it and uh, they're going to try to figure out what's best for the game i think in 2022 and beyond this offseason sets up to be uh, one of the most fascinating for a lot of different reasons mike um but before i let you go i i'd like to you said you wanted a larger sample and me too we all want to see more baseball this summer hopefully sooner than later uh, where do you think this ends for the Twins with the White Sox making a competitive bid this year? Cleveland still got the pitching. Do you think that the Twins uh, make a three-peat in the AL Central? I think they do. I, I still think this is the best team in the division. Um, obviously, it's, it's a bigger challenge than it was a year ago where it almost felt like it was not automatic, but you looked at it and you're like, eight teams make the postseason. Like, they're certainly one of the best eight teams in the AL. We're back down to the five this yeah. year, if I'm not mistaken, and that's so, you know, when you're playing in a division with two other teams that seem to be pretty competitive, it's it's not going to be a slam dunk. And, you know, even if you don't win the division, winning a wild card isn't going to be easy. I do think that what we're seeing right now is probably indicative more of a small sample size. And this is a really good team that the biggest thing that I still would probably worry about is that some of your most dynamic players um Andrelton Simmons, Byron Buxton, and Josh Donaldson are also three of your most injury prone players. And that could really derail things if if they miss some more time like they've already had to miss some of this season for various reasons that's the voice of mike rand he's a digital sports editor at the star tribune he also is the host of the strip sports daily delivery podcast which you can catch anywhere you get your podcasts and follow him on twitter at Randball if you're not already mike really appreciate you jumping on the show with us today thanks for your time thanks derek take care everybody talk soon that's gonna do it for twins today i not the show that we had planned or that we thought we were going to be doing until, oh, uh, middle of the late evening uh, yesterday as the Twins have to hit the pause button on their season with, again, three players and several staffers testing positive for COVID. So we'll continue to monitor that situation. Catch Chris Atterbury on Inside Twins at 2 o'clock today. He's going to be joined by Twins president, Derek Falvey will have the latest. That's going to do it for Twins Today. I'm Derek Wetmore here on News Talk 830 WCCO. You have been listening to Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group, more than cars. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network.